So, uh, so we begin this new series uh, this morning called The Ins and Outs of Us. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at some things about who we are inside and what our responsibilities are outside. So we're going to look at inside and outside. Hope calls itself a church of small groups. Now, we say a church of small groups. We don't say a church with small groups. And the reason we make that differentiation that we're a church of small groups is that this is very significant to us, that we want to do things as teams. We don't do things alone. We want to do things together. So all of our ministries are designed around the small group model, our small groups, our Bible studies, anything that we would do, we try to do as groups. That's why our setup teams uh, that gather here to set all this space up, when we do that, we, we get to know people. And so it's part of how we can be a community together. So we want to be connected. We want connections. We do things together. And so while uh, the majority of people, when you're in a church that is Uh, of small groups, not a church with small groups, when there's a majority of people who are part of our small groups, which is what we have here at Hope, we're excited about that, it is something that has to be carefully monitored because we don't want to become a church that huddles and cuddles. Do you know what I mean by huddling and cuddling? Where we get together and we try to just hide from the dangers of the world and just gather together and just be with each other. So we always have to be asking the question, are new people welcomed in? Are new people invited to be part of what we're doing? Uh, So uh, I right away thought of Seinfeld. Uh, And in Seinfeld, there's this scene where George has a girlfriend. And George's girlfriend is in a different world than George's friend world. And there's this opportunity where George's girlfriend, what's her name? Anyone remember? Susan. Yes, thank you. Where Susan is going to be invited into George's friend world. And George says, Jerry, don't you see this world here? This is George's sanctuary. If Susan comes into contact with this world, George's world will collide. And when that happens, boom. So we want our worlds to collide. We want our church world. We want our family world. We want our works and school worlds. We want them to be one world. That's our desire. So when we say we're a church of, uh, of small groups, That's what we're talking about, that we want to be a church that is all together part uh, uh, of growing and moving in this one world idea. We want hope to be a place where we are all moving toward who Jesus is making us to be, people here and people who are not here yet. And so the book of Acts talks about that, and so we're going to look at the beginning chapters uh, of that uh, a book over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to be looking at that goes throughout those early chapters of Acts. So that's what we'll be doing, looking at the ins and outs, the inside and the outside. So up on the screens in Acts chapter 2, we'll be reading a few verses, and, and uh, we're going to begin there at verse 1. It says this, on the day of Pentecost, now Pentecost is a major holiday, all right, it's Lots and lots and lots of people are in Jerusalem. You kind of can imagine, uh, for, for our context, it's kind of like Thanksgiving. 
You know, it's like the holiday that everybody celebrates. So lots and lots of people are in town. Traffic is, is, uh, is Thanksgiving traffic. It's a Thanksgiving celebration. It's a big deal, all right? So it's on the day of Pentecost. All the believers were meeting together in one place. This is those people who were part of Jesus' community. So, so we don't know how many exactly, but they're gathered together in one place here. And everyone else is gathered in Jerusalem for this celebration. And then verse 2, it says, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So there's this inside-outside movement that's going to take place. So what's happening first inside is important. Inside is uh, uh, is important stuff. It's always important. So so that's why small groups are important. We we want to be a part of a community where we can grow inside. Inside of me, inside of you is growing, and inside of this place is growing as well. So it's important, all right. Inside is important. What's happening inside is that. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is filling the um, multi-sensory experience. They're hearing, they're seeing, they're feeling this presence of God. Now, there are some who would argue that God doesn't work that way anymore, that you don't see that. We haven't seen that here, right? We don't see flames hanging over our heads. We don't, we don't hear rushing winds coming through the building unless there might be a hurricane going outside. So people would argue that that doesn't happen anymore. And I would say, yes, maybe that doesn't happen, or at least I haven't experienced that in a church setting. But yet I have seen people's lives changed. And what's more dramatic? To see a flame over somebody's head? Maybe. Or to see someone's life dramatically change because of what Jesus has done in their heart and in their life. I would argue that that's miraculous. And I would argue that a person's life changing is dramatic. And so there's this inside movement that's taking place in Acts chapter 2. And it's big and it's bold and it's important. And then the next verse says this. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Now the previous verses were about what was happening inside the house. Now we see what's happening outside. So it's moved outside. And what's happening outside is equally important. They were drawn, the people from around the house were drawn to the house by the things that were happening inside the house. They were drawn to it because there were things happening inside the house. The things happening inside the house were visible and were noticeable outside the house. And those things were drawing people closer. It brought their curiosity. They were drawn because there was this interest that they had in what was going on. There, it was attractive. And so this inside movement is causing the outside to be drawn to it. So what made the church curious and interesting and attractive? I would suggest that it was this idea, that the early church was different. It was countercultural. They were called to care less about things, and we're going to see that in a few verses, and more about the people, even if that made them different or even foreign. 
See, I know that the world that we live in today, this is one of those signs that I'm getting old. The world that we're living in today is not the world that I grew up in, right? It's different. It's changed. It's not the world that we grew up in. And so there are some who would say that we are, and I probably would agree with them, that we're in a post-Christian culture. To be part of a church community is almost extreme now. It's not mainstream. And so we're called to be this countercultural thing. To give ourselves to God without reservation and to offer our gifts and our time and our, and our talents and our, and our resources. It's become this extreme sport that few people participate in. And so this first century church was doing something that people around them were not doing and it caused them to be attractive. So it goes on, skipping a few verses. Verse 14, then Peter stepped forward. See, Peter's awesome. Peter sees a crowd and his first reaction is to preach. So Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and he shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. I love that Peter says that, right? No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And then he goes on. He says, uh, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Now, this is what every pastor wants to hear after a message. Man, I would love it if you all came up to me and went, Pastor, what must I do? And really mean it. Don't just say it. Don't just, don't just be working me over today, all right? So they said, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you have received forgiveness for your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Amen. He didn't have a clock in the back. He continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And then uh, further down, the next verse, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. About 3,000 in one church service. Not such a bad day, huh? God was working. So I've been learning a lot uh, in this last uh, year and a half that I've been involved in this campus thing that we uh, are doing. And I've learned a lot about branding and marketing. And the way I kind of have understood branding is branding is telling people who we are and marketing is telling people why you need it. And so in this early chapter here in chapter two, I would suggest this is the best branding and marketing you could ever have. Uh, the people saw others living differently and they were countercultural, right? So that's the branding part. Is that, That's who they are. They're different. They're, people are drawn to this community to see it. It's intriguing and it's attractive. Peter, once they are gathered, he then gives them, hey, here's why we're different. All right, here's the whys, here's the hows, this is how we're living, this is why we're living this way. And then he gives also in his, 
in, in this presentation, the what uh, of, and what makes it so compelling and that it causes, because of those things, it causes this dramatic growth to take place. And because God was a part of it and God chose to bless this community and this church uh, in this way. So, but chapter 2 is one of those chapters that a lot of churches will say, we want to be a church that's like chapter 2. We want to be an Acts 2 community, right? You'll hear that. All. Just Google search Acts 2 community, and, and a bazillion churches will come up and tell you that they're trying to be an Acts 2 community. And there's, probably, and there's lots and lots and lots of reasons that would make an Acts 2 community an Acts 2 community. Uh, lots of things that happen in this chapter. And uh, I encourage you to read it on your own because we're not going to read any more of it now. Uh, it's all on you for now. I just get to talk. Uh, but, um, but in Acts chapter 2, I would suggest that there's this one significant, I would say, difference in Acts 2 that makes an Acts 2 church an Acts 2 church. Now, there's, again, there's lots of reasons, but I want to focus on this one. And it really is the, the comparison of two words. The first word is the word community. Now, community is defined up on the screen as a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common, a group of people living together and practicing common ownership. Meredith, leave that there for a second. So a community is about having something in common. At its best, Eagles, Eagles fans are a community, right? Because everybody wears green, right? On game day, you wear green. Mason here is wearing Eagles. So we know, so if I know that Mason is a part of the Eagles community, right? There he is, even got the hat to show too, right? Uh, now, I am, uh, I went to school, I uh, went to college in Kentucky. I am a Kentucky basketball fan, have been. I have brainwashed my whole family. All my kids are Kentucky basketball fans. We have so many Kentucky basketball shirts that when we go out the door, we have to make sure that we're not all wearing the same shirt because there have been times where four or five of us are all wearing Kentucky shirts and we look like a bit of a cult. It's a little weird, right? And so we're careful about that. But here's what's interesting about that. I know that someone else wearing a Kentucky basketball shirt is part of my community. They're part of my tribe. And so even strangers, I'll go up to them and go, go cats. And immediately, I know if someone gave them that shirt or if they, they'll go, yeah, and then we get into this conversation. Strangers, right? Why? Because that's community. We have this thing in common. Another way you can know it's a community is this, and Eagles fans, we do this all the time, is when the game is over, someone will say, you know what we should have done? Right? We insert the word we. I'm sorry, you were eating nachos. Right? But we put we in front of it because we are part of the community. Right? So, so you understand that? So this is what community is. It's this commonality. Right? Now there's another word that's very similar to community. It's, it's the Latin, Latin version of this word community. But it's been, um, it is so, it's a sociological term. It's up on the screen now. It's communitas. Now, there's only a, a slight change, but communitas by, dictionary, uh, by Oxford Dictionary says this. It says a community, it's a body of people acting collectively, acting collectively. And then it says there's a strong sense of solidarity and bonding that develops among people experiencing a ritual rite of passage, or other transitional state together. So let me explain that a little bit. Communitas is about this shared experience of something that has happened or something that was acted upon. At its best, 
fire or rescue workers have communitas. They have this strong sense of solidarity. They have this strong sense of working together for something. They have this goal. So community is for and about me. Community is about me, while communitas is about me for the community. Do you see the difference there? Where community is about what do I, what do I get from this community? while communitas is what can I give to support this community. Now, communitas basically is taking community to another level. It's kind of amping it up a little bit. Communitas happens in situations where individuals are driven to bond because of a common experience. It involves these intense feelings of social togetherness and belonging that is brought about by having to rely on each other in order to survive. Now, there's this significant contrast between community and communitas. In community, people bond, but the reason they're together is self-interest. See, I said it's community is for me. So you may read a book together in a book club. That's community. But you're reading, you're in there because you are looking forward to the book that's being read right or you share recipes or you watch a team like the Kentucky Wildcats that's a community that's I'm part of that community because I want other people to be part of that for me or the Eagles my bad or the Phillies oh Nebraska there you go all right but in communitas people share a mission that puts them on a life-altering adventure it's me for community now, in some ways, as I'm prepping this, I realize I'm kind of preaching to the choir here because those of you who have committed to this Mount Laurel campus, you have committed to being part of something that's like communitas, all right? You have said, I'm going to show up on a Sunday, even when it's raining out, and I'm going to bring in boxes out of a trailer, and I'm going to spend time. I was on the floor today. I never get on the floor. I was on the floor putting a screen together, and I just got pulled into it by Bill, and next thing you know, I'm on the floor putting, I'm like, I'm getting dirty. Why am I doing this? Uh, it's a commitment to a mission, all right? Now, let me give you some other examples of communitas, and I think this will hammer home what we're talking about here and the differentiate between community and communitas. Uh, one of the best examples is from a TV series in 2011, Band of Brothers. If you Google search Communitas Band of Brothers, promise you it'll come up, all right? It's a true story about World War II. Easy Company uh, had uh, their D-Day experiences were some of the most intense battles and casualties of the war. And the story and the book tells very clearly how these men came together. A group of individuals had nothing in common, came together. But through their boot camp experience, they developed a level of community. At boot camp, they only had community. A group of men with no experience, experiences together, nothing common, but came together and through boot camp developed community. But then once they collectively began to experience the horrors of battle through the different rites and rituals of injuries and the brutalities of war and even death, these individual members realized that they would willingly surrender their will to this group called Easy Company. And if you listen to the, my favorite part of the Band of Brothers series is to listen to the interviews of the real men who are, share their stories. And they talk about being bound together by the knowledge that they were prepared to die for each other. 
and that whatever it took, they would do whatever it would take to keep their buddy alive. And so this mission became their bond. That's communitas. Another example we just saw on the screen, Lord of the Rings, a little bit different than Band of Brothers, right? But really, what would a wizard, an elf, a dwarf, a couple men, and four hobbits, four hobbits have in common? A quest. They would have a quest in common. But without the quest, they would not be together. They're together not because of their common interests, but of their common, uh, or, or the, their common goal, their quest. Communitas develops so that the quest becomes this common experience that bonds them together. And in just a few days, today's September 9th, on September 11th, we will remember what happened in New York City. That was an opportunity for our nation to experience communitas. Because on September 10th, we all felt secure. But on September 11th, we felt threatened collectively. On September 10th, we lived on a common street in a neighborhood, but on 9-11, we had a common enemy. On 9-10, we were proud to be Americans. On 9-11, we were ready to fight together. And so for all of us, it became personal. We prayed together more than we've ever prayed before. Remember, our church was overflowing with people wanting to pray on September 12th. For most of us, it was personal but it wasn't up close and personal. And so we only experienced a little bit of communitas in that event. But imagine if you had been a first responder in New York City. If you had been a police officer or a firefighter or a rescue worker who lived in that city on that day. For most of us, we can only imagine what that day and the days that followed were like. See, because communitas is about this common it's about this common bond that develops because of experience. You see the difference between community and communitas. Sadly, for many of us in the 21st century, our church experience has only been community. And sadly, for many churches, it's about community. It's about dinners. It's about events. It's about showing up when you're able to show up. But what if God wants our faith community to be a faith communitas? See, in community, we see relational connections as a nice benefit for us to enjoy when it's convenient. But in communitas, we see our relational connectedness as necessary to survive and necessary for others to serve or needed to help me. And in community, our purpose for bonding, as I said earlier, is to huddle and cuddle. But in, community, in communitas, our purpose for bonding is to have a life-altering adventure that we engage in together. So what did Jesus call those first followers to do? Do you think he called them to community? He said this. He said, we'll get together and we'll have a study and we'll share prayer requests and then we'll go on retreat. It's going to be great. No. What he said is, I want you to follow me, but understand this. If you follow me, it's going to require everything you have. It will be a life of self-sacrifice. You'll have to put the needs of this group above your own, whether you like it or not. And the mission is paramount. 
we are starting a revolution to try to convince everyone that a life of loving God and loving people is the best way to live. And that mission must come first in your life. And engaging in this mission is going to get me killed, he said. And it very well may get you killed too. So, do you want to be a part of this group or not? See, our mission and our quest, our common experience is not building a campus or setting up a portable space on Sunday morning. This is just a tool. This is just a venue. This is just an outpost. Our quest and our mission as men and women who choose to follow after God is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. But we don't end it there. We say it's for the sake of others. For the sake of others. And then we say that it's about connecting people to God through Jesus Christ. And then we say it's about connecting people to each other through authentic Christian community. And then we say it's about connecting people to the world to be salt and light. See, we need each other together to do that. So that we can engage the rest of the world. That we can love the rest of the world. And we can take on the challenges of the world together. And if we do this, our faith will thrive. You and me for community. But too many churches are not willing. And that's why I would say they're slowly dying. They won't thrive. They will just at best survive. And over time, they'll become boring and brittle and even disintegrate. Because playing it safe is the most dangerous way for a church to live. It's dangerous for people on the inside, and it's dangerous for people on the outside. And so there's this inside-outside theme that goes throughout chapter 2 and, and the chapters that follow, and we'll see in the coming weeks. And so the final verses of Acts chapter 2, it's up on the screen. Again, watch for the inside-outside movement. It says this. It says, The community continually committed themselves to learning what the apostles taught them, gathering for fellowship, breaking the bread, and praying. Everyone felt a sense of awe because the apostles were doing many signs and wonders among them. There was an intense sense of togetherness among all who believed. They shared all their material possessions and trust. They sold any possessions and goods they did that did not benefit the community and used the money to help everyone in need. They were unified as they worshipped at the temple day after day. In homes they broke bread and shared meals with, with glad and generous hearts. The new disciples praised God and they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people of the city. Day after day, the Lord added to their number everyone who was experiencing liberation. So although this young and thriving church had no political influence, they had no property, they had no fame and no wealth, it was this powerful movement. The power was centered in that they were living out this gospel, that people chose to value one another more than they valued the things that they had. They came together as this large, passionate healthy family where it was natural to pray together and to share all of life together. And this kingdom of God began to blossom on earth as these lovers of God embraced the teachings of Jesus. And then notice in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, the result of these followers living their lives inside, 
it impacted the world outside. People from outside started coming inside. And so they weren't a huddle and cuddle fortress. Instead, they became this open door to the world. And it says that day after day, the Lord added to their number everyone who was experiencing liberation. So let me challenge you. Three challenges. Uh, three opportunities. We are this inside community that wants to live outside, right? We want to have these changes that take place in our hearts and our lives because we're in this together, but we're on this mission and quest to impact and change Mount Laurel, to, to, to let people know, I keep saying, to give hope a try, right? To give hope a try. And we're seeing that impact. We're seeing people, our brand is getting out there. Our brand is getting out there. Uh, we, we, I, I've mentioned this before, the conversations that, that the Mount Laurel Township, they love us. And when I met with them two years ago, I said, hey, how can we help you? How can we help Mount Laurel be better Mount Laurel? And they kind of stared at me. And I've told you this story before. They kind of stared at me. And they said, no one's ever asked, a church has never asked us that question before. And I said, well, that's what we want to do. We want to make the community a better place to live. So how can we help? And they went, we'll get back to you. <laughs> and so I frequently stop in the Mount Laurel Township building and ask them, how can we help? And it's had a huge impact. Someone just told, uh, uh, somebody, somebody, just told uh, uh, somebody from the Mount Laurel Township just told one of our members, they said, we love you guys. We love what Hope's doing. That's huge. That's our brand. Right? That's just beginning to make an impact on the community. In a, this post-Christian culture, church has an identity crisis. And here we have an opportunity to change the culture around us. So here's how we can live outside, some outside opportunities, all right? These, these really are so important. These, this Mount Laurel Fall Festival is the first thing we ever did. It was, like our, it was like our big event, all right? We went to it for the first time. We had no idea what the Mount Laurel Fall Festival was, and we went into it just kind of like, yep, we're here, to, we're here to be here, and we had no idea that 20,000 people show up for this thing. It's, it's gigantic, and we were like, what are we going to, and so we just were like, hi, you know, we just kind of stood around. We just kind of were nice to people. Well, now we're, we're getting good at this stuff, all right? So we found out last year, if you remember, those of you there, Mason was there, and it was like 100 degrees in September. It was, I got the worst sunburn ever on September 21st last year. It was like, it was crazy, right? So, so we realized that every, everybody brings their dog to this fall festival, all right? Like, like dogs and kids are the two things that show up. So we are we're give, we're, we have a doggy watering station this year. Isn't that cute? Yeah, yeah. And and I, I bought nine hundred dog biscuits. All right. So I don't want to bring those home. Right. All right. So we're gonna pass out dog biscuits to folks with dogs just to get them over to our to our to our tent. We're gonna have craft for kids. Uh, we're gonna have the kids on one side and the dogs on the other. We think that might be safest. Uh, and then we could also. But but we need your help. We need you to volunteer to be a part of this. Right. We need smiling faces. We need people there. Uh, you get a free T-shirt if you sign up. You can go to the website and and sign up for that. It is a great event. It's our first event. This was what put us. Uh, this is where the township started to realize that hope is. Uh, 
is, uh, is a different kind of church. And uh, it, 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 I, I mark this as one of our, our most important things that we do. Okay, so, so please sign up for that. Another one is uh, the Taste for Mount Laurel. Uh, that's been rescheduled a couple times uh, because of uh, some snow issues. So they moved it to October. Hopefully there's no snow there. Uh, you'll get more about that one. And, the la- and then the third one is the Chick-fil-A Trunk or Treat, which is uh, we partner with Chick-fil-A. It's been another great partnership. And that's another big event where 2,000 people showed up last year for that. Uh, this is what is important to note. All three of these things I just mentioned, they're not our events. They're not hope events. They're events from outside. People are inviting us to be a part of. It, that's huge. That's such a great opportunity, right? And, so, and what's required of it is a sacrifice of our time. All right, sacrifice of our time. So if you could sign up for those things, that would be great, and you'll hear more about that. So our mission, our quest, our common experience as communitas is to be, we're in the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others, connecting people to God through Jesus Christ, connecting people to each other through authentic Christian community, connecting people to the world to be salt and light. And we are attracting people to our community because we are on mission and a quest together. And so consider this last final question. So years from now, years from now, what will our story be? Years from now, what will our story be? What will they be telling about Hope's Mount Laurel experience? Here's been my prayer from the beginning. It's Acts chapter 2, verse 41. I have been praying that day after day the Lord would add to their number everyone who has been experiencing liberation. That they're not coming because of Rick Court. They're not coming because of Randy Peterson. They're not coming because we set up equipment in the school. They're coming because God brings them to us. And I'm trusting God in that, and I want you to trust God in that. But that's our mission, and that's our quest, to, that we are together in this process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. And that change that happens in our lives can be what's happening inside, and it gets communicated outside to the world around us.